For I am crucified with Christ And yet I live Embrace the cross Where Jesus Welcome to Crossbound Ministries where we are bringing the gospel of Jesus Christ to the world, encouraging Christians and pointing sinners to the cross. Will you please pray about supporting our broadcast and ministry that gives us the ability to spread God's word. You can get involved by going to crossboundministry.com. Please welcome our preacher, Mike Sadler, as he brings us an important message from God's word. Embrace the love Open your Bible with me to 1 Corinthians in chapter 14. 1 Corinthians in chapter 14. We're just going to skip a stone through this chapter. As the Apostle Paul here is writing to the church at Corinth and the Corinthians, and he's straightening out some things and some problems, and he's also answering questions that they have of him. So 1 Corinthians chapter 14, verse number 1, the Bible says, following after charity and desire spiritual gifts, but rather that ye may prophesy. And here he's, he's talking, he's, in the context, is talking about speaking in tongues, and he says, follow after charity. Well, we know that without love, we are nothing. He said, without Without love, I'm nothing but uh, a tinkling cymbal and a sounding brass and just a clanking noise. In other words, it doesn't mean anything. It's so important to show the love of God to the world. As a matter of fact, the Bible says that's how they know that we are brothers and sisters in Christ for the love that we have for one another, for the love that we show the brethren. And so Paul here says, follow after charity, follow after love. And he says, desire spiritual gifts. Spiritual gifts are just that. They are a gift from God for the edification of the church and the body of Christ. Amen. They most certainly are. They're from God, and they are a gift. And this this chapter is speaking about tongues. And look with me now in verse 14. Paul says, For if I pray in an unknown tongue, my spirit prayeth, but my understanding is unfruitful. What is it then? I will pray with the Spirit. I will pray with the understanding also. I will sing with the Spirit, and I will sing with the understanding also. Paul says it's better to have the understanding And down in verse 18, he says, I thank my God I speak with tongues more than you all. Paul says, I thank God I spoke with tongues more than all of you. But if you read verse 19, he says, yet in the church, I had rather speak five words with my understanding that by my voice, I might teach others also than 10,000 words in an unknown tongue. Paul says it's better to speak five words in an in a known language to teach each other than to speak 10,000 words of an unknown language. And how important the teachings of Christ are, how important the teachings of the Bible is. There is so much Bible to be taught. 
and to learn and to understand and to apply to our life. And I believe that's what Paul is referring to here. It's better to speak five words that I can understand, that you can understand, that you can apply to your life today to draw you closer to Christ. It's better to speak five of those words than it is 10,000 words that you can't understand. And look what he says in verse 23. If therefore the whole church be come together into one place and all speak with tongues and there come in those that are unlearned or unbelievers, will they not say that ye are mad? Won't they say you're a nut job, that you're crazy? When the unlearned that's a saved person that's unlearned. That's a saved person. Maybe it's a new Christian in Christ, an unlearned, or an unbeliever. Maybe somebody that's not been to church before, somebody that doesn't know much about church. So an unlearned is a Christian or an unbeliever is an unbeliever. And Paul says, won't they say you're mad if they walk in the church and they see you uh, doing that? And he does give rules for speaking in tongues. He, he lays it out. I'm not denying that Paul's not denying that. But he does say that it's better to speak five words that you can understand. Amen. And if you jump down to verse 33, he says, For God is not the author of confusion, but of peace, as in all churches of the saints. As in all. Amen. And he goes on, and this is a hard saying, but he, he says the women in the church ought to be silent. When, and now, speaking of this matter in this situation and then down in verse 40 says let all things done be done decently and in order everything in the church should be done decently and in order paul says why because it's god's house doing god's work god is not the author of confusion the bible says Paul's writing here, let all things be done decently and in order. Now, going back to what I said about what the Bible says about the, about the ladies in this context, and it's talking about speaking in tongues. It says, let your women keep silence in the churches for it is not permitted unto them to speak, but they are commanded to under obedience as also saith the law. And if they will learn anything, let them ask their husband at home. For it is shameful to speak in church. And it's talking about in this context of, of, of speaking in tongues and in the church. And by the way, nobody likes that word submit. Nobody likes to, to just submit or the word submission. But can I just say this before some of the ladies, please don't get upset about what I'm saying about the Bible. Because Jesus Christ, listen, Jesus Christ was equal with God. There's the Father, there's the Son, and there's the Holy Spirit. So Jesus is equal with God, but Jesus was submissive to God's will. It was all about doing his Father's work and his Father's business. It takes true strength to be submissive to somebody else's will. But yet Jesus submitted to his Father's will and doing his Father's will. Amen? There's many vitally important things that ladies do in the church. And even in the Bible, there are many great, great women in the Bible. Great, strong, powerful Christian ladies. What an amazing uh, testimony that is. And that's one thing I can say about my own wife. I am so thankful for her 
testimony. The Bible says that you find a virtuous woman, her price is far above rupees. There's a lot of, lot of ladies out there, and you ladies are priceless, the Bible says. Amen, and thank God for that. Going on to chapter number 15. Look at me now in chapter number 15, and this is the gospel of the resurrection. And I love this chapter, and I'll probably be in it for a while. But verse number one says, Moreover, brethren, I declare unto you that the gospel which I preached unto you, which also ye have received, and wherein ye stand, by which also ye are saved, if ye keep in memory what I have preached unto you, unless ye have believed in vain. For I delivered unto you, first of all, that which I also received, how that Christ died for our sins according to the Scripture, and that he was buried, and that he rose again the third day according to the Scriptures. Man, amen. There is the gospel in a nutshell that the Lord Jesus Christ came to live in an earthly body, to be God himself in human flesh. He walked the earth. He was crucified. He was buried, but yet he rose again on the third day. And there is the gospel, 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 1 through 4. That is the gospel, amen. That is what saves people. That is what changes lives. That is what gets you right with God. That's what gets your ticket to heaven, in other words. You get to escape hell and go to heaven because of what Jesus did on the cross. And many things, many things happened when Jesus died on the cross. So many more things happened than just he, he laid down his, his life. Many things happened at that time that he died. And I, I can say one thing that happened when Jesus died, that there was a temple. And see, in the Old Testament, the priest would have to go behind the veil and make a sacrifice for the people to cover their sins. And it was a temporary covering. It wasn't a permanent. It was temporary but the bible says that when jesus died on that cross that that veil that only the high priest could go behind it was rent from top to bottom it was torn in half because signifying that everyone that puts their faith in jesus has the right to go to god you no longer have to go through a priest to get to God. You just have to go to Jesus. Amen. Jesus is our intercessor. And the Bible even says in Matthew chapter 23 and verse number nine, and call no man your father upon the earth for one is your father, which is in heaven. The Bible says, call no man father. You don't need another man to get to God. You don't need to go to another man to ask him for forgiveness of your sins. By the way, he can't do anything to forgive you of your sins. Only the blood of Jesus can cover those sins. The only payment that God will accept is his son's righteous blood, the sinless, spotless, perfect lamb of God. You might go to another man and tell him your problems and tell him your sins, but he can't do nothing for you. He can't get you close to God and he can't get you right with God. The only one that can is the Lord Jesus Christ and his finished work on the cross, like in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 1 through 4, where he died, he buried, he rose again, and he lives today. The Bible says he defeated 
death, hell, and the grave, and he walks the earth. Amen. The Bible says that he ascended to the heart of the earth for three days and three nights, but he defeated it. And over in Matthew chapter 27, it tells you what all went on when Jesus died on that cross. In Matthew 27 and verse 45, it says, Now from the sixth hour there was darkness over all the land unto the ninth hour. Now this is the middle of the day. This is from noon to three o'clock. And it went dark, the Bible says. Jesus died on the cross. He was in about the ninth hour. Verse 46 says, Jesus cried with a loud voice saying, Eli, Eli, lama shabachnii. That is to say, my God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? You see, God's so holy that he cannot look upon sin even when it's concerning his own son. He had to turn his back on Jesus because he could not be in the presence of sin. God is not going to be in the presence of sin. And that's why Jesus cried that out. My God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? Can I just say if you're a Christian and you've been Christian, a Christian for a while, there's a time in your life when you have felt that way. You have felt like, God, you don't hear me. God, where are you? I don't feel you. God, where are you? I don't see you. But let me tell you, God is there and he's always going to be there. If you belong to him, the Bible says that you are sealed on the day of redemption. You'll always belong to him. A matter of fact, the Bible says that no man can pluck them out of my father's hands. You cannot lose your salvation, even if you wanted to. When it says no man, it means no man. That's every person. The Bible says no man can pluck them out of my Father's hands because it's not based on you. It's based on Jesus and his work. Verse 47 of that same chapter, Matthew chapter 27, verse 47, it says, Some of them that stood there when they heard that said, This man called for Elias. And straightway one of them ran and took a sponge and filled it with vinegar and put it on a reed and gave him to drink. The rest said, Let, let be. Let us see whether Elias will come to save him. Jesus, when he had cried with a loud voice, yielded up the ghost. And behold, the veil of the temple was rent twain from top to the bottom. And the earth did quake, and the rocks rent, and the graves were open, and many bodies of the saints which slept arose. You see, when Jesus died on that cross, the Bible says there was an earth, earthquake. And that the rocks literally shook and that graves were open and many bodies of the slate, many bodies of the saints arose. Many people rose from the dead and walked the earth when Jesus died on that cross. Wow, what a powerful statement. And don't you know that them Roman soldiers were scared to death when they saw what really happened when Jesus died and they knew surely this was the Son of God. Surely this is the Son of God. How scared they probably were. But the truth of the matter is Jesus forgave them. All they had to do was get on their knee and repent and believe in the work that he did on the cross. And Jesus will forgive the very man that nailed him to that wooden cross. Amen. He will. He's a forgiving God. And verse 53 of that chapter says, And came out of the graves after his resurrection and went into the holy city and appeared unto many.
Now when the centurion and they were with him watching Jesus saw the earthquake and those things that were done, they feared greatly saying, truly, this was the son of God. There was an earthquake, graves were opened, people rose from the grave and they went into the city. And the centurion, the leader, in other words, he, he feared greatly. And verse 55 tells you, and many women were there beholding afar off, which followed Jesus from Galilee, ministering unto him. Can I just say, and it was the ladies that were at the tomb first when Jesus rose from the grave. You know where the men are at? were at? They were hiding. They were scared. But I tell you what, the ladies were there. They were bold, amen. Thank God for a bold witness and bold ladies that we have that will take a stand for the Lord Jesus Christ. And so there was ladies there. There was ladies at his death and there was ladies at his resurrection. Now, can you imagine in the city knowing that Jesus died on the cross? It's went dark. You've seen earthquakes. Graves have opened. People have rose from the dead, went into the cities. Wow. I bet that shook everybody up. And it should. He's the son of God and he's laying down his life. The Bible says, Jesus said, no man take it from me. I lay my life down. And let me tell you, they mocked Jesus on that cross. They mocked him. They mocked him and they said he saved others, but he himself, he cannot save. And they told him, hey, if you're really the king, if you're really the king of Jews, save yourself. Call angels down. They mocked him and they made fun of him. But you know what one man did that was nailed beside him? He believed on him. And Jesus looked at him and said, Today you'll be with me in paradise. And I'm going to ask you today, I'm going to ask you today, when you look at Jesus, what are you going to do? Are you going to mock him and make fun of him? Are you going to be like that thief that realized, hey, he truly is the son of God and put your faith and trust in him and believe on him to save you? Because the Bible says that death stalks all of us. You listen to me. I don't care if you're rich, tall, poor, black, white, yellow, what family you're from, what your last name is, what your address is, how big your bank account is. One day death is coming to your door. And there's nothing that can save you except for the Lord Jesus Christ. Because listen to me, hell is a real place. Hell is a real place where sinners go. The Bible has a lot to say about hell. There's weeping and wailing, gnashing of teeth, gnawing of tongue where the worm dieth not and the fire is not quenched. It is a one-way door. There is no way out. There is no hope and there is no help in hell. It is a horrific place, but it was not made. According to the Bible, it was not made for me or for you. It was made for the devil and his band. That's who it was made for. Jesus Christ doesn't want anyone to go there, and that's why he laid down his life. He made a way. He made provision, but just because he did that. Can I just say this? I've met a lot of people. I've never met one person that didn't know the name of Jesus. I've not met anybody that didn't know Jesus died on the cross, but here's the problem where most people lie. They still believe I'm a good person. They don't realize Jesus said there's none good, no, not one. 
for all have sinned and come short of the glory of God, the Bible says, for all, that's every person, each and every one of us. You say, well, you, you mean all of us are going to go to hell? Absolutely, unless you repent of your sins and put your faith and trust in the finished work Jesus did on the cross. The Bible says ye must be born again, not a physical birth, but a spiritual birth. And at that moment, the Holy Spirit takes up residency inside of you. And the Bible says you're sealed on the day of redemption. What is that? God gives you a promise. You are promised that you will not go to hell, that you will go to heaven. And he puts a seal on you. What is that seal? That seal is the Holy Spirit. No man can break that seal. You see, not even you yourself, because it's from God and it's his promise and one day one day you're going to die and if you're not saved if you're not sealed unto the day of redemption if your name's not written in the lamb's book of life listen to me it's going to be like ripping open a shower curtain and stepping out you'll fall right into hell you might even go to church you might sit in the pew you might sing out of the songbook listen to me you'll slide right off that pew with a songbook in your hand right into hell because you have never truly repented of your sins and put your faith and trust in the lord jesus christ i'm telling you right now there's a lot of people in church that are on their way to hell because they've never truly been born again Amen. There is no such thing as a good person. You'll never make it. The Bible says, for all have sinned and come short. What does that mean, short? That means you'll never make it. You'll never be good enough. You'll never get there. The only sacrifice that God will accept, the only payment God will accept is the blood of Jesus. Jesus. And that's when you realize that, hey, I am a sinner. I'm going to die. And you look at Jesus and what he did on that cross and you accept it and you realize that, hey, because he died on that cross, because he laid down his life, because he rose from the grave, I can repent of my sins. What does repent mean? Repent means to look at your sin. You're sorry for it. You look at God and you know it's wrong, that you've hurt God, just like you'd hurt your parent if you'd done something bad. It's the same way you've hurt God. You've sinned against a thrice holy God and you return from it. And you ask for forgiveness for it. That's what repentance is. And then you look to Jesus and you put your faith and trust in him. You call on him like you are drowning and you're calling out for help. And there's no way you can save yourself. But you know that Jesus can. And you call out to him. Hey, that's, that's, what, it, that's what it's like to be saved. That's what you need to do to be saved. Repent of your sins and put your faith and trust in the finished work Jesus did on the cross. Like it says in 1 Corinthians chapter 15 verse 1 through 4. And many things happen when Jesus laid down his life there was earthquakes people rose from the grave many were seen there were many witnesses even the centurion himself the leaders and the soldiers realized that truly 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 the bible says that this was the son of god they realized that and i ask you today do you realize that do you realize that jesus is the son of god do you realize that he laid down his life do you realize that he shed his blood for you amen he is the perfect sinless spotless lamb of god and he's the only sacrifice that god will accept for the payment for your sin 
for your sin. Jesus didn't die for his sins. He didn't have any sin. Jesus never sinned. He wasn't a sinner. It wasn't in him. He died for me and for you. Why? Because we are, we are natural sinners. It is born in us. It is passed down in us from Adam. Adam sinned. He brought sin into the world. Condemnation passed upon all men, the Bible says. And you know, and if you're honest with yourself, you realize that you're a sinner, that you're going to die someday. Listen to me, you're going to stand before a thrice holy God, and the only thing that will save you is the blood of Jesus. And you're repenting of your sins and putting your faith and trust in the Lord Jesus Christ. We pray you have been blessed by today's message. If you have been saved or are in need of a prayer, please contact us at 352 247 9200. That's 352-247-9200. Thank you for tuning in to Crossbound Ministries radio broadcast. Will you please pray about supporting our ministry and broadcast? You can go to crossboundministry.com or send your support or a gift to P.O. Box 7, Inverness, Florida, 34451. That's P.O. Box 7, Inverness, Florida, 34451. For a gift of $10 or more, we will send you a booklet. Please pray for us as our ministry and radio broadcast grows. Tune in every Sunday morning at 8 a.m. to hear a message from our preacher, Mike Sadler. You can follow Crossbound Ministry on Facebook, YouTube, and visit us on the web at crossboundministry.com. If you are a pregnant woman in need of help, there is hope you can reach out to the Citrus Pregnancy Center. There are locations in Inverness and in Crystal River. Their phone number is 352-341-5176. That's 352-341-5176. This broadcast has been sponsored in part by Henley's Grading Incorporated for all your land clearing and hauling needs. Located in Hernando, Florida, 352 352- That's 352-897-3507. This program is sponsored by Crossbound Ministry of Inverness, Florida.